Good evening and welcome into the last Thursday night without Missouri football for quite some time. That's actually not true. It's the last Thursday night without Missouri football only for two weeks. But the season starts by the time it is Thursday night again. This is State of the Tigers brought to you by James Carlton State Farm. There you see it, carltoninsurance.net. That voice you're hearing in the background is mine. I'm Gabe DeArman, the publisher of Power Mizzou, welcome you in. We'll bring Gerard Hamilton into the show here in a minute. This is kind of our final season preview episode before we get into actually having real things to talk about next week. But if you want real things to talk about, James Carlton always has real things to talk about. He's talking about saving you money on your insurance. You can get in touch with James anytime you want at carltoninsurance.net. You can call him at 314-961-4800. He's going to get you the best deal he possibly can on home insurance, auto insurance, whatever you need. And if you mention this show to him and you get a quote, he's also going to donate $20 to every True Tiger Foundation in honor of you, I guess. I don't really know if that's the right uh, term, but he's going to do that to help Mizzou's NIL efforts out and maybe get some more uh, good players on Furrow Field and Mizzou Arena in the coming years. Uh, we bring Gerard Hamilton in now. Uh, Gerard, the college football season, I believe, starts in about 40 hours in Dublin, Ireland uh, with Notre Dame and Navy. We are seven days away. It needs to be here, man. Like we have previewed every possible thing we can preview. I, I don't know how we can preview much more. It's all just saying the same things in different, <laughs> in different ways. Right. That's, that's so, it. yeah. So thanks. Thanks for coming guys. We're just going to say the same stuff we've been saying, but we're going to find some new ways to say it here over the next 30, 45 minutes. Uh, want to invite you uh, to, to, comments, questions, whatever you've got, put them in the queue over there. We will get to them as we go. But what we're going to do today is is real simple. We're going to start out and and we're going to give you, give you kind of official uh, predictions. And, and here's what I found, Gerard, like over the last so many months, I've predicted the season so many times, like no matter what I can say I was right, at some point I predicted them to have every possible record, I think. So Eventually, I'm just going to be able to say, "See, I, I told you that one back on back on April 14th. I told you they were going to be eight and four. Yeah, I mean, that's how long the off season is. I I've been thinking about this so much lately. Of there's like four or five month period where it's just every day, and then I just think about for like eight months. It's like like I was talking to my mom not too long ago, and she was just like, I was telling her about you know training camp and all that stuff I've been doing the last few weeks, and she was asking me about if I'm I'm like, am I tired or something like that? And I'm like, I mean, I was tired for the couple of weeks, but I was cool. I was just like, eight months of it is, it's not that bad. Like I'm writing a lot, but there's a lot of days where I'm just like, just chilling. So, I mean, a lot of times I, I've thought a lot about the fact that like, man, we've really spent a lot of time talking about basically 13 days of the year. Exactly. Like two thirds, two, two thirds of the job is the off season. That's yeah. like the crazy part. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, off season's over though. Literally like seven days from right now, the ball will be in the air at Furrow Field, Mizzou and South Dakota. So we're going to go just kind of big picture and, and do the season prediction first. We are going to stipulate going into this. South Dakota, Memphis, Vandy, and Middle Tennessee, we are assuming are wins. We are assuming Missouri is starting 4-0 in those games. 
we are stipulating a loss at Georgia. Are there worlds in which that could be different? Sure. But in all likelihood, Missouri is probably losing that game. In fact, that's the game I'm second most confident about on the entire schedule. First is a win over South Dakota. Second is a loss against Georgia. So we've got them four and one. Um, we've, we've really got seven games left. And we're being a little bit maybe generous throwing a couple of these games into the swing category, but I think they're worth talking about. So, I, I mean, the first one is is K-State. Like, I, I feel like not only have we been previewing the season for eight months, I feel like we've been building up to this game for eight months. Like, I, I, I this is the one every Missouri fan has circled, and I think there's a lot of people in the Missouri program that have it circled. Yeah, I mean, but – and it's crazy because you're right, it's been – since the you know the schedule releases, you know it's been about K State. But once Drink said at SEC Media Days, by the way, this is in new news. But once he said at SEC Media Days that you know possibly two quarterbacks or you know three quarterbacks or whatever could play the first couple of games, everybody was going to look uh, towards Kansas State anyway. So yeah, that is that is relatively the game of the season, the game of the first half of the season. That's what I'll say. Yeah. It, it, well, and it's like, and I said this on another show, you know, Gary Pinkle always used to say, hey, this week's the biggest game you've ever played. Until you win it, then the next week is the biggest. So K-State's the biggest game ever. But if they win it and they're 5-0, and oh, then suddenly LSU is the biggest game ever. You right. know, so it, it's funny how that works. So before we get to who we think is going to win that game, Bradley wants to know, who do you think is the starting quarterback week three? Because – I think it's safe to say, and this isn't exactly what Eli Drinkwood said publicly, but this is how it's going to be. They're both going to play in the first two weeks. And in an ideal world, the guy he starts against Kansas State is his guy for the last 10 weeks of the season. Now, things could change that, but we're talking perfect world. So who gets the first snap against K-State? Uh, I'll go Brady Cook. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll stick with Brady Cook. Um, I just, for one, we talk about this, you know, off air all the time. He gets a lot of flack and he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, there was a good portion of the year last year where he was terrible. Um, but then no one really talks about when they need to get into the bowl game and when those last, you know, two or three or whatever it was, how he was the best offensive player. And no one really talks about how he had a torn labrum in his throwing arm. I just feel like that keeps getting thrown under like, oh, but he was terrible. But I mean, that he had to literally change how he started to play the game. I don't, is he really that mobile? Or do you think he's moving yes. around that much if he doesn't, like if he can use his arm better? I think he's a mobile yes. quarterback and he wants to, but that much to be the second leading rusher on the team? I think so because I think his athleticism is his best attribute. And here is here is why I don't put as much stock in the shoulder thing. Because, like, he played some of his best games after that. You know, like, the first half against Arkansas, he was really good. Like, it had been hurt for a long time. I, I think the biggest difference in good Brady Cook and bad Brady Cook last year was who was calling the plays. I think he played a yeah. lot better when Bush Hamden was calling the plays. And whether that's because Bush had a better feel for what he did, whether he had a better relationship with Hamden than he did, I, I don't know why, but he was a better quarterback when Bush Hamden called the plays. And the most damning part of that to me was that bowl game. Like it, it was like we got good Brady for four weeks 
And then all of a sudden, Hamden was gone and Drink was calling the plays and we got bad Brady again in the bowl game. Yeah, I think it's part Bush calling plays, part Brady. By the point, the Arkansas game, obviously that's the last regular season game. He's been playing with it for enough, you know, a long enough time to be able to adjust. And I also think like after that bye week, not really counting the Vanderbilt game, he was still, okay, the Vanderbilt in the first half of that Kentucky game, Pretty rough, pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. But I just feel like he he even said, though, after the bye week, he started playing better. And we heard numerous teammates keep saying, you know, Brady just came up to us and said, I'm going to do better and I'm going to do my part. It wasn't the greatest performance, but you did see him improve throughout the season. And I just think by the end of the season, I mean, it started to come around. But you're right. Uh, Bush has a lot to do with why he was, uh, why he was playing better. All fair. There is a pretty good chance you're right and that's why i'm going the other way i'm saying sam horn starts game three all right i it's i don't really know what it's based on i think it's based on i just i think that's who they would like to see win the job i I agree with that yes um i think they would like him to go take it now the interesting part then obviously becomes what if he does it? What if they're equal? What if they play the same over the first two weeks? Do you go with the guy who's shown you what he did last year and frankly has earned a lot of respect and his like would be deserving of winning the job? Or do you go with, we think in six weeks, this kid's going to be a lot better than he is today. I, I don't know. I, Look, again, I am saying Sam Horn partly because you said Brady Cook. If you said Sam Horn, I might say Brady Cook just to make the <laughs> show. But I said I said Sam Horn on the radio uh, on Wednesday morning, so I, I'll just stick with it. I don't even know if I believe it, um, but it it would be pretty interesting. I, I don't think Eli's going to tell us that week. I don't think mm. we know for sure who starts until Saturday morning. I think you made a you made a really good point. I think Sam would need to take the job. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, considering most people think just, you know, physical talent and uh, all his attributes and all that and his star rating and all that, they expect him to be. If you're this good, you should be able to do that, especially considering you had the whole spring to – well, I guess Sam was kind of hurt too. But Brady, his first, you know, live action came this month. Sam, you, you know, you at least had just a little bit of spring. You did something. You was around. You didn't have an injury that was, you know, uh, as catastrophic, I guess. That's probably still too strong of a word, but you know what I'm saying. Right. I, he has to take the job, and if he does it and they're neck and neck, what has Drink showed the last couple of seasons? He says it every year. We're going to start being aggressive, doing all this, and then next thing you know, it's pistol, single back, half back dives. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite yeah. formation and play every every game. Yeah, it's we'll see. I, I I don't know for sure, honestly. It's it's going to be kind of it makes the first two games of the season interesting because there is something to watch when otherwise there might not be. Okay, so so we've dodged this as long as we can. Look, I think Missouri can beat K State. That said, I will pick K State to win that game, and the reason is because I have seen K State be a well coached team that doesn't do stupid things to beat itself. 
I have not yet really seen Missouri do that against a good team. So if Missouri can go in and no turnovers and play penalty free and not do the worst possible thing at the worst possible time, I think they have the athletes to win that game. I just won't pick them to do it until I see them do it. That's about right. And that's pretty much the same for me. Cause when, when you go, I was, when I was listening to uh Mizzou, that's who everybody tap into that one uh, as well. Uh, when I was listening to that, I was just thinking Missouri really played. Was that the worst game of the season? I'm just trying to think real quick. Was that their worst? Oh, game? I, yeah. Well, I don't know. Tennessee honestly might've been. Worse. Oh, oh, um, because at least the defense kind of showed up against K-State, but K-State was in the discussion. Right. So it's a pretty, pretty bad beatdown. And you can't really take much away from it, though, because everything, like you said, they had a number of penalties. They had a quarterback get injured. They had the backup throw interceptions on consecutive plays. Um, and then it took them like six or seven plays at the end of regulation, you know, because all these flags and all this from other like stuff. like the three. Yeah, to score a touchdown. So everything that could go wrong went wrong. And like you said, they have the athletes and all that good stuff. So they definitely have the talent to win. And Kansas State is losing so much talent, especially on defense. But you're right. Uh, Chris Kleiman, he knows how to coach those guys up. Um, and you said it also on the other podcast, like so many people, you when you know your team and the team you cover, the team you root for, you know everybody they lost. You know everybody that's coming up. Oh, this person's going to be an impact player, this person. But you're never thinking about the other team. And so, for example, Deuce Vaughn, he's a big loss, obviously, at running back for them. But I think they've got a – can't remember his first. I want to say it's JR, but it's Giddens, big power back. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's a pretty good running back. He's a pretty good running back, but no one knows him. So they're just assuming and they, it's – they also brought in a transfer too. So. Right, right, right. So they're just assuming, well, they lost Deuce Vaughn. And, of course, they would like Deuce Vaughn. But if you can make a running back by committee like Missouri does that, you know, can do some similar production and you got somebody like Will Howard and a coach like Chris Kleiman – they can very well win that game, and they'll have a lot of confidence considering they just beat this same team, pretty much the same team, returning about 78% of the total roster. I mean, I say Kansas State wins it right now, but again, I got to see what the quarterbacks look like those first couple weeks. Yeah, and and we go into this fully admitting, like us predicting games two and three months in advance is stupid. We just we got to talk about something. So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> so, so we both got them four and one going to LSU or with LSU coming here. I will say this. I will give Missouri a much better chance in that game. If they have beaten K state and they are five and zero. because if they've beaten K state and they're five and zero, like you could see whether it's SCC nation, like there's a lot of good games that day. I'm not sure game day's coming. But you could see SEC Nation, even if you don't see one of those things, you are going to see, there will probably be quite a few LSU fans come up because the only other time LSU was here, it was the COVID season. So like LSU fans will go, hey, yeah, I'll go check out Columbia. We might not get back there. We don't know when we're going to play them again. Um, Faro will be sold out if Missouri's 5-0. and They'll probably be ranked. It will be an atmosphere that's reminiscent of like 2013, 2010, some of these other years that you've never seen, but, but that I've seen. And if that's the atmosphere, Missouri can win the game. If Missouri's four and one, and that's not the atmosphere and I've picked them to be four and one, then I've got to go LSU. 
Um, I picked LSU to to win the SEC West when, yeah, so when I did. Uh, okay, so when I did, yeah, when I did the poll stuff for SEC Media Days, I was one of the people who had LSU uh, winning the West. I think that's a. I think that's a, just kind of like how you said with Kansas State. They're going to have to show me they can beat those level of teams. And it, you only need one day. It doesn't need to be – it's not a seven-game series. It's not basketball or none of that. But they still have to show me on one day that they can do that. Now, I will say this. Uh, maybe an advantage is if they come into that game somehow – what would it be, 5-0? 4-0? Yeah. It'd five be 5-0 if they beat K-State. Yeah. What if that game happens to be a night game? Like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the more, like you were saying with SEC Nation, the more they can build it up, the better I feel like this becomes because, right? And let's be honest, the later the game starts, the longer they tailgate, the more lubricated the crowd is, the louder it is in that stadium. Well, yeah, and and I just, I'm looking at the uh, schedule on the website. That's a blackout game. So all the fans, anything that can get... Any little thing that can kind of help build to whatever the theme of, uh, you know, that game is, I mean, it, it'd be huge, but I can't, I can't say they'll be LSU. Um, this is like when I, when I see the chief schedule and I see teams like the Bills and Eagles, they will probably beat at least one of those, you know, top powers, but I always consider it a loss to make myself feel better <laughs> if it doesn't happen. I'll say this: If Missouri's five and zero and that game's at night, that isn't going to be the blackout game. That's going to be the blacked out game because there, there, mm. there going to be oh, yeah. there going to be a lot of people that yeah. never get into that stadium on that night. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So we both got them four and two. All right. So here's what I want to do: I want to take these next two games as a set at Kentucky and South Carolina. Here, what's Missouri's record in those games? They're going one and one. I agree. If they beat Kentucky, I will pick them to lose to South Carolina. If they lose to Kentucky, I will pick them to beat South Carolina. Like, I don't okay. know which one they're going to win. I just think they're going to win one of them and lose one of them. Okay. So I don't completely agree with that. They beat Kentucky. I think they're beating South Carolina. Okay. Like, I now I have them losing to Kentucky, though. Kentucky, to me, is a better team this year than they were last year. Okay. Devin Leary. Um, he is coming off an injury. I can't remember what he was hurt with. Uh, do you know? I can't. I can't remember what he was. I want to say with. wrist, but I might be completely making that up. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't remember. So, look, I, I mean, it's what I want to say, and I don't cover Kentucky, so I'm just gonna say it. It's a wrist injury. <laughs> um, yeah, he he didn't really. I feel like I don't know if he played at all, but I definitely he didn't play much last year. But in right. 2021, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. And people are thinking just because so much hype was on Will Levis that, oh, it's just going to be a drop-off. I don't think so. And, in fact, in many ways with the offensive line that they brought in to kind of piece that together, they're probably going to be better in that regard. So I'm, I've always thought – I've got Kentucky finishing third. I've always thought that they would probably win this. But if Missouri beats them, I think they're going to beat South Carolina. I don't, I don't get South Carolina. I don't I – don't, I don't get how they can get these rankings or whatever. I'm sure there's something there, but I've never been a Spencer Rattler guy, and that's not even me trying to. Right. I just don't. Some I, Sometimes he has, he'll has he have a good day, and then he'll be going missing for a few weeks, and then he has another good day. It's just it's all over the place for me when it comes there. Uh, so, so I will fully admit, when I do these predictions, 
I try not to just go like chalk, like, look, this team's better. So they'll lose to that team. They're better than this team. So the, like, I try to do some different things, honestly, because it's more fun that way. But so I think they get the Kentucky thing off their back. Like, dude, this team has been tortured by Kentucky. I know they won a couple years ago, but like Kentucky has put this fan base through some shit the last few years. So I think Missouri circles that one. And I think they come together and play a really good game in Lexington. And I think they win. Now flip that. South Carolina feels that same way about Missouri. South Carolina's fans look at Missouri and go, I don't know why, but we always do something to get beat by them. Even though the talent's fairly even, even though sometimes we think we might have better talent, we always manage to lose to them. It's four in a row. And so I think Missouri finally gets the Kentucky thing off their back. And I see a little bit of a letdown and South Carolina comes in here and beats them. But if they go to Lexington and they lose, they're sitting four and three. I think South Carolina comes in and Missouri goes, man, we got to save this thing. This is going the wrong way. So I, I just, I think whatever happens against Kentucky, I think the opposite one happens against South Carolina. So, so we both come out, we both got them five and three. We've already agreed at Georgia is a loss. So wait, wait, let, me, let me throw something in there real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They better win the South Carolina game because obviously you just said that Georgia game is a loss because that's their game before the bye week. Right. They better finish that off on a strong note because I want to say they lost to Florida week six, had a week seven bye, and then faced Vandy. I may be off on that, but I feel like it was Florida bye week, and then they faced uh, Vandy coming off of that. And they lost. They had lost to, I think, was it Auburn, yeah. Auburn, Florida, they, Georgia? They lost Auburn, week. Georgia, Florida by Auburn week. Georgia. Then they came out and, and beat Vandy in South Carolina. You can't afford to go on the losing streaks like that <laughs> into the bye week. They, they really got to split those. But I think it's more important that they probably win the one at home, get that bye week, and then face face the monster that is Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So look, I, I mean, Georgia, I'm just going to sum this up real quick. You talk about teams circling games, Georgia going to circle that Missouri game. They're real tired of hearing about how Missouri almost beat them. Now, look, I know everybody's picking Georgia seven and five this year. Nobody thinks Georgia can be any good, right? That's what they tell us. They've, they've been disrespected all off season. I'm just going to tell you, they are going to be ready for that game. I do not expect, not only do I expect that to be a loss, I do not expect it to be very attractive at all for Missouri fans. Hope it's an 11 a.m. game. I was just about to say, 11 a.m., Kirby Smart is definitely jumping off the top rope. Yeah. (laughs) He's definitely. So they're five and four. Um, Tennessee comes to Columbia. Of the three that most people think are losses, Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, this is the one I can most see as a win. But man, Josh Heupel has kind of just batted Eli Drinkwitz's teams around like a toy the last couple of years. I was thinking about this the other day because I knew you'd ask it. Yeah, it's the most winnable game this year. Of, the, every of, time. of Georgia, LSU, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I think about it, the coach that just goes in there and pummels Eli, it and Josh Heupel is the scariest one of them all. And, and I mean, 
those games have both been over legitimately in the second quarter. Like it wasn't like they poured it on late. I mean, those games could have been, he could have scored 90 in those games. I want to say the last two meetings is being outscored 128 to 48. I think that's uh, right. Yeah. So like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Tennessee is going to be the same as last year. Um, what did they finish? 11 in or they were 10 and two in the regular season, I think. Right. So nine and three, maybe, or something around. At least that's where I, I got him. I don't know where you got him at, but Josh Heupel is going to really, he's going to put one on him. I feel like that it drink has to show me different. I feel like Missouri plays him closer. Like, I don't think this is a six touchdown loss that's over in the second quarter, but I don't know. We'll see. So we got him. We both got him sitting five and five Florida and Arkansas. Just take those two. What do you have? Seven and five. Yeah, I've got him winning the last two to get to seven and five. Yeah, the Florida. I, I said this a few pods ago that Florida is like this Missouri game is in between. I think LSU and Florida State or something like that for them. I think that's right. And, and then this is a November game in Missouri. I mean, not that that means everything, but I mean it. It, it does do something. You do something you're not used to. You can't, they can't practice that in Florida and mimic, you know, game conditions for Missouri. So you got that. I think that's another one of those blackout, whiteout games or whatever it's supposed to be for Missouri. But just having those two games uh, for Florida, you know, LSU and the Florida State or the inverse or whatever, I think that's big. And then Arkansas, that'll be definitely tougher than the Florida game to me. But I don't know. They lost some pieces. I- they I look at that one kind of like I look at Missouri, Tennessee. I mean, like Arkansas could beat Missouri, but like they got to go do it before I'm going to say they're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just think they've, they've lost a a few good pieces that go under the radar. Like they lost a couple wide receivers. They lost, well, those are underrated, but they lost bumper pool and drew Sanders and everybody knows about, about what he was doing. So I don't know, but obviously everybody replenishes their teams with transfer transfers and freshmen and all that good stuff. So maybe it's different, but I say. Missouri. And I know, I know Arkansas, like I think people are fairly high on Arkansas, mostly because of KJ Jefferson and Rocket Sanders, who I think are good. But like, look, they're going to start. They got Western Carolina and Kent State. Those are wins. They host BYU. That's probably a win. But then here's their next four weeks at LSU against Texas A&M at Ole Miss at Alabama. Like. I mean, you can really be talking about a team that you're going, if they don't lose that BYU game, they could be sitting two and five on a five-game winning streak or losing streak, and who knows what happens at that point. So, and I'll be honest, I picked them to beat Arkansas largely because I think they're going to go seven and five. And so to go seven and five, I had to pick Arkansas as a win to get there. So last thing on this, like what do you think is more likely? Eight and four or six and six? If, if we both picked them seven and five, what do you think is more likely? If it's not seven and five, I feel like drink the safe pick is <laughs> six and six because that's what they show for three straight years. And those disciplinary issues and those turnovers and stuff like that that you just don't think about, I feel like though they can have a game like that where they lose something maybe they shouldn't. But I'm going to say eight and four. 
I'm going to say eight and four because I really think they can beat Kansas State. Um, I think they've got a, a pretty good roster. It's just that quarterback, and the quarterback has to has to be better than Brady Cook last year. I will say this. I am tired of hearing about this monsoon weather that was there last year, as if Missouri does not have incredibly crazy weather um, throughout the year as well. I don't know if it's maybe monsoon level, but making it seem like it's Florida to, to Missouri for that game, I, I'm tired of hearing that one. They just it was a bad day, and they got outclassed that day. But I think they can go 8-4 and, and get K-State. I think they can go eight and four. Um, I eight and four. I, I would say is like fifty two percent likely, and six and six is forty eight percent like. Like I don't think it's significantly more likely than six and six. But look, it's August, man. What good does it do to piss everybody off? Eight and four is a little more likely than six and six. So that's what I say for now. Um, so. We were talking about the, the way we want to do this and appreciate your guys' comments and questions and we will get to them. Um, but we, we wanted to kind of just go back and forth. Three things we we picked every game. So just kind of quickies. Three things we think we're going to see. Uh, we'll just go back and forth. You start. It, it, it can be a stat. It can be a breakout player. It, it can be, it, I, I don't care. Um, just Just one thing you think you see in this Missouri football season. Well, uh, for four down territory this week, I did sup superlatives. Superlatives. I think that's how you say it. Superlatives. <laughs> yeah, I got Makai Miller being breakout player of the year. I just, I've never seen, I've never seen him do like drop a pass or run a bad route. And that, uh, you guys know, I'm going to say it 45 minutes of two and a half hour practice. He could just wait till we leave to be terrible. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, I just think. He's a he's a very good piece that they can do plenty of things with. He's not maybe the best athlete, but his hands may be the best, you know, on that roster on this roster. And I just think he can do a lot of things, and he'll be one of those players that people aren't maybe paying attention to. But then he has a couple big breakout games and and makes plays similar to last year. All right, I got uh, Missouri's leading rusher is Nathaniel Pete. I think Schrader probably gets the most carries. I think, I think, because like people don't understand, he was not a fumbler before last year. He didn't have any fumble. It, I don't think he had a fumble in his career before last it year. It just happened at the absolute worst time and it killed his confidence, man. He just wasn't the same guy after that. I don't think he got over it all season. And, it, he got buried and it just wasn't there. There are people around the program who think he's an NFL football player. I think he leads Missouri in rushing this year. So, um, I think I don't. I don't think there would be a thousand yard receiver on this roster. I think there would be more like maybe four or five guys that have you know over three hundred yards or something like that, where it's just like an accumulation and. And Luther Burden has like somewhere around 700, possibly 800. Um, there's just too many mouths to feed. And that's a good thing, though. Uh, that's a good thing. But, yeah, I don't think there's a 1,000-yard guy. I I think that's fair. I, I think Luther has a 1,000 in total offense. But they oh, may yeah, not well, be 1,000 yeah, receiving. Right? Like, they may not be a 1,000 receiving, but, like, he might run for 225 yards. I do not remember how much he ran for last year. Now, obviously, he's going to get more of a workload. Um, 
it also it at the end of every game we could never figure out what Missouri counted as yeah, receptions and what they counted as runs because like half his passes were thrown parallel to the line of scrimmage. So yeah, um, I don't. I still don't know about the a thousand total uh, scrimmage yards. Uh, Three hundred rushing yards, like you know, or rushing yards still, I feel like will be kind of hard to get, but I definitely think he hits at least 10 touchdowns, 10 total touchdowns. Yeah. All right. Here's one I just came up with. It's probably not going to happen, but like, we got to be a little bit interesting here. Daniel blood is Missouri's punt returner by the end of the season. Because we've seen him back there doing it. Some, I think they're going to hit a point where they just say, look, man, we got to, we can only use Luther at certain times. We can't do it all the time. We can't have him taking too many hits. We want somebody else to do it. We've seen Daniel Blood back there. What the hell? I'm going to pick him. That's that's a good one. That's not that bad because Daniel Blood had five punt returns for a touchdown as a senior last year. So he's very capable uh, of doing that. If I was to say to kind of combat that, maybe Marquise Johnson because that guy, he is – fast mm-hmm. i mean he's really really fast so if he can i don't know how well necessarily you know it's you know punt catching abilities and whatever that is i don't know if that's you know something he's done a lot or, or if he had any issues with it but if he can get the ball in some space he's got speed um and that was a good one i i, say, I got one more if you want a minute to think but go ahead right. yeah no, go okay, ahead. my last my last one is the player with the most sacks does not play on the defensive line. It'd be somebody. Wait. Else. Wait. I know I said that I, I answered it differently last week, but I changed my mind. Whether I don't care who it is, it could be Chris okay. Abrams Drain, it could be Dalen Carnell. I don't know who it's gonna be. Just their okay. leading sack person is not gonna be a defensive line. Okay, so let me okay. So last week, everybody, the question was what group would have the most so I think you could still technically say a defensive mind. technically you could still say a defensive line the D line would have the or defensive ends would have the most sacks as a unit but one person could be somewhere else um like Tyron Hopper could get like seven and a half blitzes he'd have he'd have to blitz he'd have to blitz <laughs> quite a bit quite a bit and he'd probably he'd definitely have to be on that line of the scrimmage a lot more to do that um I don't know if I got a, a bold one like that. I just say this punting competition could go first couple games and go a little bit longer because I feel like Sean Ketting got the first couple last year, then Jack Stonehouse took over in week three. And then I feel like later down the line, Sean Ketting was punting maybe a little bit again. Maybe I'm maybe I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tripping on that. But this punting competition, maybe Luke Bauer can sneak it out because he's also got a big leg and he's been having a pretty good camp. But Whoever's more consistent is going to win it, is what Drake keeps saying. If you bring a punter in on scholarship and he doesn't win, the oh, that's who I have job, to win. Oh, it's not good. Um, that's if it's close enough, then yeah, you give it to the guy with the accolades and the scholarship. But the problem is, it's close enough, but it's in a good way. It's not because they're they're both terrible. Obviously, they need to be more consistent, but. The walk on or whatever is he's doing what he needs to do to keep up. So maybe Luke gets gets his opportunity. All right. So we're gonna get to questions, and I know there's a bunch of them. We'll get to them here in just a minute. We're gonna finish this up 
with just three things we expect out of the SEC this year. I'm going to go first. Tennessee steps back. I don't know how far. It may only be a game, but like Tennessee's ranked 11th in the country. I think Tennessee finishes this season below 11th in the country because I think not only do they miss Hendon Hooker, but I think they really miss Jalen Hyatt and uh, and uh, why can I not think of the other receiver's name that I wanted uh, Cedric, to drive? Uh, uh, Cedric Tillman. Yeah. 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 Um, so like I don't think Tennessee's going to suck, but I don't think they're a top 10 team this year. I kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, Kentucky, I'll say this. I kind of feel confident that Kentucky can finish as high as second in the East. I agree. More so than – and I had Tennessee second in the East, but I think that's more likely that Kentucky moves to second than Tennessee uh, kind of staying there basically. Like Kentucky, I think it's much better than people uh, give them credit for. All right. Um Hmm. I mean, I I really wanted to do this, but I'm not going to do that because that's just a hot take. That's that that's crazy. I, I'm not going to go there yet. Um. All right. I would. Florida finishes no better than sixth in the East, though. Like, I don't think they're going to be good. Yeah, I, I don't either. What who is their quarterback? Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing a vision right now. I'm not seeing. Like, I, I think it's very like Billy Napier is recruiting his ass off right now. Oh, yeah. He but is. he needs to win enough games to get to coach those kids. And I'm not 100% sure it happens. Something else that happens in the SEC. Um, mm, maybe let's. Alabama. I think they think they can lose up to three games. I'd say they're they're ten and two, nine and three. I don't know about this quarterback situation. It, it just feels abnormally long for the recent years. Okay, of their so quarterback so I'm gonna look. I'm gonna read off their schedule. Middle Tennessee, they're not losing that one, right? Okay. Texas, will they lose that one? They could. <laughs> I, I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. All right. South Florida, not losing that one. Home home against Ole Miss? I'll give it to him. At Mississippi State? I'll give it to him. At a and Yep. Home against Arkansas? Yep. Home against Tennessee? Yeah. Home against LSU. Nope. So they lose that one. At Kentucky. This yes. is the one. If you're saying they lose three games, that's the one you need to say they lose, I think. Nah, it's probably going to be 10 and 2 because that's what is it? Texas. I I think Texas at Kentucky at AM are like the. Yeah, I was about to say. Like they, they've got to lose two of those three if they're losing three games. Okay, then. Where's that Kentucky game again? It's uh, at Lexington. You know, let me give them. They'll they'll lose to. Yeah, let's go. Let's spice it up. Kentucky, because I'm I don't know how pretty I on Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky, and they'll lose LSU. Back Texas a and I'm just not sure about. Like we know they have the pieces. I got to see something this year because last year weren't they supposed to be really good? 
and just kind they of were supposed crumbled. to be a lot better than they were. Yeah, yeah, they just kind of crumbled. Um, I, something else I want to know is people are high on Mississippi State, and we've talked about this, like how they got Will Rogers coming back, and that's good. But I just I don't know. Mississippi State just seems like one of those teams that they're like an NPC, like a playable character. They just kind of show up sometimes, and they're probably going to be better than finishing last in the in the West. But I just you just feel like I just feel like I don't hear much about them. Yeah, yeah. All right, my last one is, uh, and I put this one in ten thoughts on Monday. The national champion does not come from the Southeastern Conference this year. So who's going to be? Just, just I don't know. Just give me the field. I don't know who it's going to be. Might be Ohio State. Might be Michigan. Might be USC. Might be. I, I don't know. Just, just give me the field. I'll, I'll take the field. Oh, that's a. Would you bet on that game? Would you bet on that? No, I. No, of course not. I'm doing this for. I gotta hype up the podcast, man. We need people to listen. (laughs) Um, (laughs) that's a. So you, I don't know about that one. That is a. That is a good take. I don't know about that one. Yeah. All right. So what's your last? What's your last? uh, What's your last SEC opinion? Mm. Really, I can't think of one right now. I really can't. Um, All right, Missouri wins the SEC. Gerard Hamilton said it here first. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know I'm about being a, a realist on here. I'm not going to cap to y'all like that, but they'll, they'll – I have them finishing fourth. I think they're, they're better than what people think they are. So yeah. we can say that. But I don't know right. yet. But if they if they do happen to win the SEC, you're right. I was all over it. You said it first. All right. So let's run through. Uh, people have been asking for some questions and some predictions here. So let's run through these and, and wrap this up. Uh, Jason, what would be more surprising, four and eight or eleven and one? Eleven and one. Like I've seen them be real close to. I mean, five hundred is real close to four and eight. Getting to an eleven and one. And you come into the season and you're pretty unsure of your quarterbacks. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, 11 and one means you won yeah. all your swing games and then you went two and one against Tennessee, LSU, and Georgia. Right. Yeah. All four and eight means is you lost all the swing games. Like that's all yeah. it means because we started them four and one. Like, right. Four and one may not honestly even take, or four and eight, I'm not positive it takes an upset. Because Kansas State will will be favored, I think, against Missouri. LSU mm-hmm. will be favored against Missouri. Kentucky will be favored against Missouri. If you're sitting four and three at that point, it's not impossible that South Carolina is favored over you. And if you get to the last two games of the year and you're sitting four and six, Florida and Arkansas will probably be favored. So, like, I don't think they're finishing four and eight, but four and eight's more likely than 11 and one. Yeah, for sure. Um. Which redshirt freshman has more of an impact, if any, this season? DJ Westlock or, or Jamarian Wayne? I mean, I'll take the heat on this one, and I'll just say I don't think either one. Yeah, here's here's the thing. So, I think which one is more likely to play at some point? I probably go Wayne, but who has the easier way to the field to be Westlock? Because they don't really know what the defense in, but. 
somebody asked me earlier about like what size I'm so he's like maybe 240 to 245-ish. Like he's a really small edge. He's not big. And, yeah. And so I just wonder, like, even though they don't know what they've got at that group, would they just try to circle, you know, would they just go with a bigger defensive line group or something, move other tackles? I don't know what they do, but I wonder it take a minute to get to him, I feel like. I, I think Jamarian Wayne will be on the field on special teams, but I think as far as offense, defense, those guys are a year away. Uh, Kyle, am I crazy not to be worried about the defensive ends? Baker showed he's not afraid to dial up pressure with the entire secondary coming back. I expect a lot of pressure with man coverage. Look, Kyle, I'm just going to say I don't care who your secondary is. If you expect to go through the SEC and be good because you man everybody up, I don't think it works. Like, you've got to be able to get pressure with without blitzing at times. That is true, but Eli did answer this question at SEC Media Days when I asked him about the defensive ends, and he was kind of just like, "Why would we be scared? We're not, we're not just rushing the passer with four all the time anyway. We're aggressive, and they're going to be more aggressive with a year under another, you know, a year under Blake Baker. So, I mean, they're not really worried about it too much, and they seem to like the progress, you know, D. Rob has made, although." Let me ask you this. What's more likely, um, D-Rob excels at this or we have a Chris Jones situation? I think the hope should be that by midseason, Robinson is playing most of his snaps at defensive tackle because someone else has shown they can play defense. I think they're playing him at defensive end because they don't know if they have somebody else who can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's probably more likely by three or four, week three or four, maybe five. Maybe. I say by LSU. By LSU, yep, yep, yep. I hope he's I, inside. I think, yeah, I think he moves. Um he's he's really good defensive tackle, but being on the edge and being a little bit more nimble and being able to bend, that stuff plays more of a role than you guys may think it does. It's, and they also talk about how much further away from the ball they are. I know it doesn't seem like a lot, but uh, they are. And so that's something he's adjusting to. Yeah. Uh, Gerard wants to know it will take a year or two in strength and conditioning, but have you heard how Logan Reichert is adjusting and performing? I mean, I think he was on the third team when we saw – like I, I don't think it's reasonable to think he plays this year other than, you know, maybe, maybe in a blowout. Even then, he would still be third team, my my guess. I don't know if he'd even see the field really. Um, he's a, he's a big guy. He's a lot of. It's crazy when the offense when other offensive linemen are saying you're the biggest human I've ever seen. Right. You're a pretty big guy. Um, he's probably he's probably above that listed weight. So you know they've they've got to work with him there. But if he can bring it down, you know. What was he? Was that 369? What if he can bring that down to like 350, 345 and, you know, get his conditioning right? You think, or do you think he has to get lower than that? Yeah, I'm not big on the number. He just, he has to get in better shape. And, and like, I think he's a year away from the field and two years away probably from starting um, if, if things go well. Yeah, so he's a year away from being a year away. Starting. Yeah, like I think he can get on the field next year, but I think he's two years away from from being in the lineup regularly. Um, well, well, one question: Do you think 
with with having a, a such a large body like that, do you think they can do something maybe where maybe one of their goal line plays, they're a yard away, try to put them in and put them in, in as the fullback? Fullback, yeah. Put them in a, and just just a push. Or you want a QB like sneak it. and you get a push. I like it. That'd be cool. You should you should uh hit up Kirby Moore when we get done, suggest that. <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, uh, Bobby Brown wants to know, can the defense be better than last year? And will Theo Weiss be a big part of the passing game? Number two is definitely yes. Number one is like, can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. I think the worst, I mean, the first one depends on the safety play and Jalen Carlisle and how he's adjusting to what did, what did drink say? He needs to work on his fundamentals technique. And just like having another year under his belt, basically. That Kentucky, the Kentucky and Tennessee games, like he didn't have to tell us who he was coming. I knew he was coming back after those games because he played pretty bad those games. And it wasn't because of physical. He just he was out of position, didn't have his eyes in the right place, all the types of stuff like that. If he can limit those types of days where he's getting beat on stuff like that, then yeah, I think that can they can be as good. I, it's hard to say better, but as good possibly better than last year yeah um if horn's been playing mostly with the twos which receiver will he have the best chemistry with this year i don't know if it's fair to say he's been playing mostly with the twos he has when we've been there but like they're not doing live drill i would be willing to bet when we haven't watched that sam horn has gotten first team reps yeah for sure i mean there how could he build any chemistry with any – you can't really tell, you know, what he's going to be able to do if he's never been with the first team, kind of like why you said one should start game one, one should start game two to be in different situations. You know you know who he has the most chemistry with? The guy that's open. That's the best receiver <laughs> always is the open receiver. Um, Dave wants to know, were you surprised to see Joe Moore not being second-string defensive end? I don't know that he isn't. He wasn't there that yeah. night is the only reason – you know, he, I, I forget what Drinkwood said. He's a little banged up. He's fine. He just wasn't there. So I don't know where he's at on the depth chart. I think he's second string defensive end. Uh, I couldn't imagine why he wouldn't be. Uh, he did say Johnny Walker, it, while Johnny Walker earned his starting role, it's not permanent for the year. Like he has to keep right. earning it every week from Niles Gaddy and Joe Moore. So I would still think Joe Moore is second string. All right, I love this one. Over under on Jake Garcia does a fake snap on fourth and one and then calls timeout is at two. You take the over or the under? <sighs> Come on, man. This is it, the under. They're not this is the under. I was about to say, I was about to say, and this is this isn't meant to be a shot at anyone, but first off, I don't know if Jake wants to see the field bad enough to be getting getting these hand-me-down plays that aren't plays. I don't know. And I feel like, personally, if I was Tyler Macon and everybody knows why I'm going on the field last year just to call a timeout, it's, it's pretty embarrassing. I don't know if I would want that from Jake Garcia. If it's over to the postgame story that night is going to be for me because Gerard will throw his computer through the press box window into the stands. I know that. Man, we've got to talk about the number of plays I, I told you about, like, as they were happening, like, Gabe, they run this play one more time. <laughs> or they run this pistol stuff one more time, I'm going to lose it. My my favorite was the quarterback keeper on first and ten. You That was your, that was your thing. Oh, you loved that. Dude, <laughs> oh, man. All right. Jeff says, how many current starters will be drafted in the NFL? So let's run through. I mean, 
I'm talking overall ever. So Javon Foster is an NFL draft pick. I think Armand Mimbo is an NFL draft pick. I think Luther Burden's an NFL draft pick. Um, defensively, Darius Robinson's getting drafted, right? I think Christian Williams gets drafted. I think Tyron Hopper gets drafted. I think Chris Abrams Drain gets drafted. And I think Ennis Rakestraw gets drafted. So I think eight guys on this, eight current starters will get drafted. Not all eight, obviously, this year, but I think those eight guys get drafted. Did you have Christian Williams on there? Yes. I had nine, so I don't know if I got too many or... Could it be Theo Weiss? No, no, no. It, I or had... Carlisle or Charleston? Those are guys Carlisle. I didn't... I, I didn't have Carlisle. Okay. Um, to just be in the NFL would be drafted? Yeah. Okay. Also, if we include special teams, like I think Harrison Mevis could get drafted. If he has a good year I think this he, year, I think he well, could get drafted. Let me talk about this real quick. Um, Anders Carr... Anders Carlson from Auburn got drafted like mid round, fourth, fifth round or something last year. And I think he was like 70 something percent first grade, like low 70s. And going into the Auburn game, one I remember one of my uh previews was about how he had been struggling, you know, the last couple seasons or whatever it was going into the game. Of course, he makes the, the game winner because you know what happens, but um, if he can make it, and Mevis is 85% for his career, I think Mevis definitely has a chance to get drafted. And, and also, Dalen Carnell. Yeah, Dalen Carnell, I, that I, was an omission on my part. For yeah, sure. yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think he, he's got the tools. Uh, just kind of slip my mind. So that bumps bumps you up to 10 and, and me up to 9. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, so so the plan during the season, we're going to try to – obviously, next week's going to be a little, di- little bit different. We're not going to be here next th- – well, we'll be here next Thursday night but it's going to be at like 11 o'clock after they play. So that's all. So look forward to that. That's going to be awesome. Midnight hang out in the press box. Um, we'll do that. Um, but so the, the show next week, we're going to try to do something on Monday afternoon for you guys. Uh, the, the normal schedule will be, we'll, we'll kind of do a little recap, just catch up a quickie on Monday afternoon. And then we'll try to do this on Thursday nights. Obviously next Thursday night going to be a little bit different, but um that's it. I think we both picked them seven to five with a, a little lean toward potentially eight and four. But man, I'm so glad it's finally here and and we can quit. Like between now and next Thursday, I'll just pick every record. I'm gonna be right. Just just know I was right. That's all you gotta know, guys. All, all, don't forget to remind them about the tailgate. The tailgate on, oh, yeah. on Thursday. I mean, yeah. If you're a subscriber, um, we're we're having a tailgate lot P behind Mizzou Arena. All the details are on our message board. I'll definitely make sure to uh, to push that. Um, and uh, and also uh, somebody called this. I can't find the comment now, but somebody called this the Dave Matter Memorial Edition of the show. So uh, shout shout out to Dave Matter. Good as there is, uh, I hope to have something coming in next week for you guys uh, on that front that you all might enjoy. Um, we'll 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 let you know if that's coming. So uh, appreciate it, Gerard. We're gonna let you roll, man. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz tomorrow afternoon. Player interviews, you'll have some coverage of that. And then, oh, hey, should have mentioned, you're going to see the number three player in the country tomorrow night. I am going to see Williams uh, Winery and Lee Summit North play tomorrow. I can't slip in my mind who their opponent is. Uh, Liberty North. Liberty. Okay, and it's yeah. at Liberty North, so make sure to remember that. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing right there. Okay, great.
So yeah, that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. A lot of a lot of stuff coming for you guys. But yeah, finally the start of the season is is here, and you guys, we don't have to talk about predictions and projections anymore. I'm, I can go a long time without doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Well, we'll let you go. Uh, busy day tomorrow. Everybody look forward to it. I uh, want to thank all you guys for showing up and uh, hanging out with us for an hour here on a Thursday night. Again, we'll come back Monday afternoon, um, and then we'll hit you up live from the, the press box at uh, Memorial Stadium after next Thursday's opener against the University of South Dakota. want to remind you on the way out, the information has been rolling across the screen all through the, the day. So if you have been watching with us on the YouTube, you know, get in touch with James Carlton, State Farm Insurance, carltoninsurance.net. The phone number is 314-961-4800. If you still use Facebook, facebook.com slash carltoninsurance. Look, guys, you, you can find just James Carlton. Google his name. You'll find him. Get in touch with him. He wants to save you money on your insurance. He wants to donate money toward Missouri's NIL efforts. So if you call him and you get a uh, quote and you tell him you heard about him on Power Mizzou, he's going to donate 20 bucks to that. So uh, get in touch with James. He's been a good friend to us here on this show. Appreciate all you guys hanging out. Before you leave, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening on the podcast, say good things on social media. Talk to you next time.